Hello, Paul. You and Stormzy, uh, bestie mates. No, he hasn't replied to my tweet, even though it got more than 150 favourites uh, asking him to be on the podcast. One day, one day, hashtag Stormzy for Rankcast. He doesn't know how big we are. <laughs> I, think, I think the it might actually just be that we're not that big. <laughs> and Stormzy is very, very, very big. As um, United fans will now be aware, given that he was... It was Stormzy who hashtag announced Pod, Pogba. No one was expecting that. Literally no one was expecting no. that. No. First never follows that. We, we talked a bit about... Pogba last week, I guess, so there's not loads more to say um, other than uh, United milked the transfer for all it's worth, didn't they, uh, as you would expect? Yeah, given that it's worth £89 million, I think it's fair enough, isn't it? Yeah. My, my feeling on this is if you're going to be an evil corporate mega conglomerate who's like obsessed with marketing, at least do like really good, fresh, authentic marketing. And from that perspective, it was a real success. Because yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's something. It, there's a genuine cool, kind of unarguable cool factor about that video, um, which which kind of separates it out from a lot of the marketing that United have been involved in. I mean, I'm all for tongue in cheek right. movie trailers, but you know, Pogba obviously likes Stormzy. Stormzy obviously likes Pogba. It works. It was good. Uh, I had a, had a thought actually while that was all going on because uh, City um, captured uh, John Stones for fifty million pounds, which an awful lot for a player who's genuinely, generally been a bit <laughs> whenever I've seen him play. You know, nice on the ball, not very good at defending, which is a problem for a defender. But anyway, not not to denigrate that one, but the the way they announced it was extremely low key. Um, basically, they submitted his name to UEFA. Woohoo! Um, got me thinking that perhaps we're the noisy neighbours now, and the uh, the guys making all the uh, the the noise about uh, transfers and all of that, and and City are just kind of quietly doing their business. Yeah, although of course the conspiracy theorists would say that City's um, leak to UEFA was a really good way of getting loads of attention on the transfer on the slide. I'm sure that's not what actually happened. Wow. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think you're right. We, although, I don't know, we've always been a big, splashy, glamorous idiot of a club, haven't we? Um, so George Best, if you look at, back at the, the photography associated with the career of George Best, the outside of football career of George Best, this is this is not exactly new for United to be associated with this kind of hip glamour. So in among the movie trailer product launches, Man United also played some actual football and it was not bad. I think it was a it's a peculiar sensation watching that 3-1 win because the the it was simultaneously a result which slightly flattered United and one which felt completely deserved. Eddie Howe said after the game that he thought it was very evenly matched up until the opening goal and we should just talk a bit about that opening goal because what a calamity. I think that Simon Francis may still have been suffering the adverse effects of getting absolutely zlatanned a few minutes earlier. Yes, a total gift for Matter, who who really needed it, I suppose, um, if you believe the hashtag narrative around uh, his future under Jose or not. But he started again um, and, and scored. Couldn't really miss, could he, from about three yards out. I have to confess, though, uh, while we're doing a review of the Bournemouth game, that I didn't actually see this one live. I had some family commitments Um to uh, attend to um so i've had to do with highlights right luckily the world of reddit gives you very good highlights did did the zlatan challenge with simon francis a few minutes before his disastrous error feature in those highlights it it did not okay so tell us what happened so what happens is um zlatan uh, valencia 
knocks in a cross to the back post, very similar to the one at Wembley. And Zlatan goes up for it with Simon Francis and absolutely clatters him. And they both go down and sort of Zlatan about, I don't know, 20 seconds after going down, maybe less than that, actually. Five seconds, I'd say. Kind of just hops to his feet, essentially, and shakes off the cobwebs. And Francis is down for absolutely ages. And then literally, like, five, ten minutes later... Francis back pass to Boric is ridiculously slow. Mata latches onto it, at which point you think, surely he's going to score this. But no, Boric pulls off a really good save, only for Simon Francis to shank it off his right leg, onto his left leg, into the path of Mata, who's now on the other side of Boric. And yeah, it was good. So I think we should maybe talk about that starting eleven because... I, I wrote in a Bleacher Report article today, you would have got phenomenal odds on suggesting that in Mourinho's first Premier League game, Daley Blint would be at centre-back, Marin Fellaini would be in central midfield, and Juan Mata would be on the right wing. I know, we should start complaining about it, shouldn't we? So, um, I, you, absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, Fellaini, especially after his mistake at Wembley, I, I think a lot of people thought he might be out. Not only that Fellaini started the game, but where he played. We can talk about that in a, in a second. Um, but you're right, Mata starting the game and Daley Blint at centre-back. You know, many, many, many things that we didn't, me included, did not expect to happen. I have to say, I can't imagine that Blint will be a long-term solution there, but it could well be very wrong about that one. Um, I guess we're thinking the same thing with Mata, that, that McTarian will come into the side and, and Mata will be out. Fellaini and Ander Herrera, though, their positions, very interesting because Herrera was pretty deep. Um, you know, is he the new Pirlo or something? It, they they were both really deep, like really noticeable. If you look at their heat maps there, Herrera's a little deeper than than Fellaini. Fellaini on the left, Herrera on the right. But Fellaini's like hardly breaking forward and kind of clattering into the box in the way he does. He was also super, super, super effective. Six tackles, barely a foot out of place, misplaced one pass out of 75 passes and not particularly like conservative passing either. Really, really fascinating to see how how well he did. And you can't imagine he'll do that every game. And it was only Bournemouth and they looked really no great shakes at all. But Mourinho after the game saying he gets the feeling that a lot of red people don't love Fellaini which is interesting that he's picked that up. Perceptive. Yeah, where, where could he have got that from? <laughs> yeah. from everybody. All right, Jose, you listening? How you doing? Yeah. Uh, but no, I, you know, he's clearly somewhat in touch with the, the fan culture around Fellaini. And he said, but if he's that, if he keeps playing like that, they're going to have to learn to love him because he's he was a very, very important player for us today, which he was. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, look, it, look we've had times when Fellaini's played well before, not very many. Um, and it doesn't really ever last, uh, especially not in that deeper role. We'll see. So what, what do you make of um, other key players? So two, two assists for Martial, a goal for Rooney. Could, couldn't exactly miss. I mean, um, horrible shank for the first shot, and then it sort of fell at his head. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and a very long-range effort from Ibrahimovic. Um, so let's take those one at a time. Martial's two assists... I think was one of them. One of them was the pass for Ibrahimovic. Can't really count that. Yep. And the other one was a shanked shot. So two assists on the record books, but not a particularly good game from Martial. Not terrible. Yeah, we we won't remember that at the end of the season. No. I mean, from what I saw, and admittedly, you know, not the whole ninety minutes. He's pretty direct, usual Martial. Yeah, absolutely, but not clinical and not with the kind of cutting edge, and also. A formation that's not set up for him at all no. because he's the only one with any legs in the in the front six, basically. Well, and and also, and I think we'll find this is noticeable as the um, as the season goes on. If if uh, 
um, Mourinho is insistent on playing the, the 4-2-3-1 formation, especially with if he's going to play someone like Herrera deeper, Martial is going to be called upon to do defensive work um, and he's going to be doing that a lot more often than he'd ideally like to. Yeah, or we'd ideally like to see, I guess. Um, Rooney, the, the thing about Rooney is I think that was a good game in the context of where Rooney's at now because after the first 20 minutes or so, he was a little bit unsettled. The ball wasn't pinging off his feet every time it was fired into him. He was trapping it, controlling it and doing something with it. He wasn't doing anything outstanding with it, but it within the context of current Wayne Rooney, that was a decent performance, which is definitely damning with frank praise. And slightly more fulsome praises. You said he couldn't exactly miss, but actually, if you look at his movement, he's really alive to what's going on. That is the kind of finisher's instinct that Rooney still definitely has. Mm. Well, I was looking at the uh, the stats and the heat maps and uh, positional stuff, and and uh, Ibrahimovic for a very long time didn't touch the ball in the box. Uh, or another way of saying that is he's mm. touched the ball outside of the box an awful lot. Um, and this this is a problem, right? It's not just a problem because Rooney and Ibrahimovic are going to be in each other's zone, but so is Pogba. Otherwise, you're just going to have to ask Pogba to, to stay in the centre circle. And you don't pay £90 million for a player who stays in the centre circle all the time. You want him making those third-man runs, you want him getting into attacking areas. Um, and he's not going to be able to do that. They're going to have three players in exactly the same position. That's exactly what I wrote. Um, my post-match Bleacher Report piece was was about... Actually, this is the what this showed is this is exactly the kind of performance that would have been a nil-nil draw under Van Gaal. Definitely in second gear, definitely not that effective, but a couple of things. One is much, much more directness. Like that that Francis error was a massive error, but it came from Herrera just trying to knock one into the channel, basically. And that would never have happened under Van Gaal. The second one comes from a direct cross from Valencia and a really direct run, another totally non-Van Gaal move. And then the other thing that's changed is the enormous uplifting quality because Zlatan Ibrahimovic is incredible. I mean... It was like that's obviously nowhere near the best performance he's ever put in in his career, but it was breathtaking to watch him in person. Like the flick, the backheeled flick through to Rooney off a Fellaini pass, which was just like divine. And the goal, because it's not like a thunderbolt from 25 yards. He just picks a spot in the corner, sees the goalkeeper slightly off balance, and like somehow combination place blasts it right into the corner. So we're kind of getting by on quality and directness for now, rather than the team being balanced and the attack looking like we're really going to want it to look like for us to compete at the elite level. But the pieces are all there. It's just about putting the puzzle together now, isn't it? Yeah. A couple of other things. Uh, McTarian came on, another 15 minutes. Uh, are we making the assumption he's going to get in the side sooner rather than later, just getting fitness for now? Um, and then Depay came on, who didn't actually make the bench at Wembley, I think, if I'm right in saying that. Uh, it, does he does he still have a future at United? Well, Mourinho was very fulsome in his praise of Depay before. He was, wasn't he? He was. He sort of... Do we believe it? Yeah, definitely. There's a Yes, absolutely, I believe it. And actually, you could see the impact it had, had on Memphis. He made the one mistake in, the, in his own box. But when he, he got the ball, he looked really purposeful and confident in a way we've not seen for ages and ages. So that was really nice to see. And, you know, Mourinho's definitely got a few nice problems to have with selections. I, I, Mkhitaryan's going to obviously play loads of football at some point because he's brilliant. But 
I've just given up guessing what he's going to do now after that. That starting eleven just was like, okay, this is this is it. This is what we're doing. Uh, we haven't talked about the defence at all. Um, I guess they probably didn't see a lot of this on the highlights, but Eric Bailly, man of the match, again, um, I saw him in the mix zone afterwards. Nobody stopped and talked in the mix zone except Zlatan. Um, but I said bien joué to Eric Bailly because I thought he played very well. Um, he was superb, like really good. Just there's still that rawness. There's still that... He's definitely going to get sent off this season. But yeah, he, he just looks really classy. So two games in, what do you reckon is Mourinho's strongest eleven? <laughs> He's got no idea. I mean, I can tell you what I think it is in theory, most of it, but like... Or, or four games in, in fact. We've had four in, four in pre-season and uh, six games in, four in pre-season and two real ones. Yeah, but only one real one. So he's one game into his career, really. Because Community Shield, you have six substitutes in the Community Shield. It literally doesn't count. Um, so, yeah, no idea what his strongest eleven is. I mean, you could say what you think it is intuitively. Certainly the the front six. But even that, like, I think he's going to play Pogba and Fellaini in the next game. I think it's Fellaini that stays in rather than Herrera because Pogba is more... I mean, he's not either of those players. But if he's closer analogue to Herrera than he is to Fellaini in the role that he was playing... But I just have no, I just, I've no idea what Mourinho is going to do next or why he's doing what he's doing. Well, we'll find out. Yeah, there's not philosophy though, is it? So no, it's, um, it's good. I mean, you know, Mourinho's game is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think he's he's not a coach who instructs each player where they have to be at any one moment in the pitch, dividing the pitch up into, you know, however many squares uh, Van Hal did. Um, so uh, you know, I think they are. They are more direct, and I don't really mean that in terms of longer balls, but uh, in terms of the style of play, they will get it into the channels and into space. They'll play with space uh, in a way that Van Hal's team almost never does. Um, and at the back, they're, they're just going to be well-structured and well-drilled. You know, So in a way, it's, it's a much simpler game plan. Uh, seems to have worked so far, but there was about there were some very... Well, it was more than just about. You know, In the end, it was comfortable against Bournemouth. Um there were some very specific instructions. Though. There was a moment where Blint fizzed the ball into Rooney's feet really quickly from about a third of the way into from in our, into our box to a third of the way into, in, not box, um, half, to a third of the way into their half. And Marino kind of yelled at him and gave him a big thumbs up, like, yes, that's exactly what I want to see. Um, and they warmed what, up. A ball into Rooney's feet, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> I think it was more the nature of the pass um, that he was really, really encouraging of. And he, he, he had a lot of instructions for players. Like when Ibrahimovic scored his goal and he came running over to the bench and they all celebrated. And Mourinho was just like, you know, kind of jabbering instructions at everyone. And when Schneiderlin came on, he was doing lots of very elaborate hand gestures and stuff. So there's, Mourinho was like heavily invested in trying to be a conductor in that game from the sidelines as he always is notable in the warm-up they warmed up slightly differently so Van Gaal would always set the team up in one half of the pitch in formation and then the coach normally Giggs would pass the ball to the centre-backs and they would start the possession drill which would end with the striker getting possession and putting it past Sergio Romero or whatever Mourinho had a very similar drill, but without any of the defenders. And the coaches would either give the ball to the deep line midfielders to start the move or fizz the ball into the forward players themselves to kind of vary the length of passes that were... It was just really interesting. It's just a very a very kind of good analogue for their different approaches to the game. Yeah, actually about 15% of United's passes went long. Right, yeah. Um, so, you know, they'll, they'll mix it up more this season for sure. And a lot of those were 
okay, so we've talked about the 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 new approach and the starting eleven, and there's a kind of massive disconnect for me between those two things because you would think that the way United are set up. You desperately want speed. And Mkhitaryan is rapid. And so, like, to have Mata, Fellaini, even Herrera, Rooney, Ibrahimovic all in the same side, maybe with the exception of Herrera, that's a lot of slow, as you would say, Ed. So it was it was notable that there were a lot of times when Bournemouth play would break up, United would break that play up, and then someone would look up looking for a quick outlet ball for a counter-attack. Almost never one there. And it was notable that the fullbacks did a lot of that, as you would expect. And indeed, the second goal came from Valencia doing that. Beautiful, beautiful back pass from Mata to Valencia, and then a really great run and uh, cross from Valencia who is continuing to look like, uh, as somebody put in our Twitter questions, the Ecuadorian Cafu. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I mean, he's having a renaissance for the moment. Uh, as you say, one proper game in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, and that's the thing about analysis of this game. It's a very long season. But, you know, Dunkle Castles, who I believe is now the authoritative voice on all things Manchester United, says that Mourinho's been incredibly impressed with Mata and Blint's work ethic and he wants to keep them now. Very good. Duncan Castles, who looks like a human penis. An observation, if you will. Just an observation. Very good. All right. Well, um, any other observations from uh, the Vitality Stadium? I, I can't get. I can't do that. It's still Dean Court for me. Is it? I like. It's it's a stadium I don't even know the name of. That's embarrassing, isn't it? God, you're so big time. You know, big time journal. Gone all lazy. Can't be bothered to do your research. Don't even know where you are. <laughs> I was in Bournemouth. I stayed the night the night before. It was lovely. I went to the beach and everything. At about 10 o'clock in the morning on the Sunday, I was like, do I want to go to the football? This beach is nice. But of course, I did want to go to the football. It was very exciting to be there. Uh, nice stadium, small and compact. I, I wondered about the um, the away fans because there were definitely like, big pockets making loads of noise all the way through the game, as you would expect. But there were a couple of like little quiet areas in among the away fans. And I, I wonder what people that were in that area made of it they definitely made plenty of noise one of the uh, prolonged bits of noise they made was the new Zlatan song which is a real like once you hear it that is stuck in the head for the rest of your life give us a rendition uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic he is a Swedish hero on a free from PSG he cost us blooming zero He's six foot five blooming blooming he's mm. six foot five he's hard as flip he gets the Reds excited. So uh, concern yourself not with Man City because we are Man United. I may have changed some of those words to preserve our iTunes clean tag. Yeah, I wonder which ones, yeah. yeah. But it's good. It's good and it really gets under your skin. It's one of those where if Zlatan has anything like a good United career, that one is going to get sung for decades. Great. Well, uh, look, it's a perfect start for Mourinho, isn't it? Uh, exactly what he wanted. One at Wembley. Yeah, that doesn't count. This is the one that really counted. Uh, needed a good start. Just think about the what happened in the games against Bournemouth last season. You know, a total disaster yeah. at Dean Court under Van Gaal um, in the midst of uh, a really poor run all round. Um, and then the, the absolute farce was the, of the final game of the season last year. Not Van Gaal's fault, that one. Uh, some uh, nut job from the security team who left a package behind. But still, you know, it, it kind of, none, that was an egg on the face of United from a corporate sense and egg on the face of Van Gaal from a team sense. Um, and United flipped that all around now. Great performance, professional, scored three goals, 
three points on the board, exactly what Mourinho wanted. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and a great solid foundation as we look to play another South Coast team, but at home this time on Friday night, which we'll come on to after we do uh, a whole bunch of Twitter questions. We've got a bit of extra time this week. How's that sound to you, Ed? Let's go for it. All right. At MUFC Jeff, an old school friend of the Rankcast from back in the day, says, did either of us... Wait there. Big big question. Now now we're selling friend of the Rankcast titles. You know, we've cheapened it. Yeah, no no question. Patreon.com slash Rankcast. Does does Jeff still count? Is he still a friend of the Rankcast? Have we disowned him? Now he's a double friend of the Rankcast because Jeff's all over that Patreon. I I believe Jeff is getting a mug. I believe that's what level we're talking here. He is, he is a mug if he's, uh, he's <laughs> paid us that much. Well done, Jeff. Thanks. Uh, did, that's patreon.com slash Rankcast if you want a bunch of uh, extra Rankcast stuff. You, you know about it. We'll mention it from time to time. Thank you to everyone who's backed. It's unbelievable. He says, somebody says last week, I'm not listening anymore. The show's gone too commercial. It's like, oh, Sorry. Sorry that our seven years of free shows and no adverts and one 21-minute segment about crowdfunding, that's it. He's done. He's done with us. We've sold out. Well, you know, he's he's hardcore. Yeah, he's probably off uh, to form his own uh, Manchester United podcast. Yeah. <laughs> F- which will be co-owned by all the, all the people who are F- listening. FC Rankcast of Manchester. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, all right. Did either of you read Sir Alex Ferguson's leading book? If so, thoughts? Uh, I just mentioned that because um, we were having a chat about that on Twitter. Yeah, no, I didn't I didn't read the book, but I read um, the long-form case study from uh, Harvard Business School, which is what the book's based on. And I'm, I'm going to assume the book was dumbed down a little bit, actually. But, uh, yeah, I read that. I'm not sure I got loads of great insight. You? No, I mean, I, I, I didn't read the book because that Paul Hayward book is so terrible. It kind of put me off Fergie books. But I read that long form thing too uh, when I still had an office job. Um, And yeah, it it was interesting. It was interesting to see how much he talked about delegation. I thought that was kind of of almost counterintuitive because he he combines like an absolute uh, prioritisation of control with a kind of growing understanding of the need for delegation. And I think also some interesting stuff about the need to treat different uh, individuals differently. But I'm... Yeah, I guess so. I mean, to, to be honest, this is all just instinctual. He's not a... I mean, you wouldn't expect this, right? He's not a, one of the great management theorists who's going to explain trends in management um, uh, using you know, the right kind of frameworks to do it and data and all of that kind of stuff, you know. Um, I mean, it's ridiculous, but he was, it's in the Harvard Business Review article uh, and his peers in that are going to be Clayton Christensen and, and, and that kind of thing. So he's uh, he's not a great thinker in that respect. It, it was kind of an odd departure. I know as part of the course, they have kind of guest speakers come in and they call them case studies and stuff like that. Um, I think it was a stretch for him to do a book on it and it was just kind of, a, a grab for eking out the last bit of cash from his fame, I guess. I'm not sure that's the last bit of cash he could have got from his fame. I think that is vastly underestimating the draw that is Sir Alex Ferguson. But I, I think, you know, when, you, when you've when you got someone who is an instinctual practitioner, 
it's actually really interesting to put them in a kind of business school setting and have them work with someone who is a theorist to kind of tease out what the core aspects of the stuff they did instinctually, what that actually was. Because I don't think just because someone does it instinctually, you can't then break it out and look at its component parts in kind of an interesting way. But it was like, you know, a kind of seven out of 10 interesting diversion rather than anything mind blowing, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe that might be a bit generous because I love Alex Ferguson. So, at Forza United sixty eight, who signs off hashtag FOTRC, darn right, mate. Says, uh, does Smalling automatically go back into the starting eleven? Blint by looking solid. I said exactly this um, after the game to somebody. I I don't think it's automatic, and unless you are just automatically going to say he goes in instead of Daily Blint, I think the Blint Bay partnership. After one game, looked uh, looked for, well. Two games. I'm counting the Community Shield now to serve my narrative purposes. But they look really solid and kind of an interesting partnership. Well, look, and that's fair enough. Just on the the, the basis of evidence of the of the last two games, um, I am going to say, given that Bay is is quick and comfortable on the ball, and Smalling is just a solid defender, that that's going to be a better natural partnership, um, and there's going to be less errors from it. Uh, but you know, hey, um, Mourinho's changing our minds on a few things so far, isn't he? You know, Fellaini's had a couple of good games hmm. and Matt is still in the side and, and Blint is still a centre-back, even though he's the most un-Mourinho centre-back that you could possibly imagine. Um, so we'll see where it goes. Now, I don't think Smalling will be an automatic choice, but he, for me, is the balanced choice. Yeah, I guess so. And uh, would you would you then just partner Bay with Smalling? Yeah, Okay. Yeah. Lots of rumours about Jose Font, um, who they'd just make up the numbers. Surely, I mean, Font's a decent player, but he's not—he's not the one that's going to transform United's no. back four. Uh, you know, he kind of makes sense as a decent, experienced centre back to add to the squad. Yeah. The the other question was, do you need it? Right? Smalling, Jones, Bay, and Blint. So that's four centre backs. And Rojo still is there. And and Rojo's still there. So unless you're getting rid of. Rojo and you and Jose has given up on Jones. We don't know that yet, um, uh, or doesn't believe he's reliable. We do know that. Uh, then, then I'm not sure what United actually need another centre back, especially one that's not f- filling the numbers. Although when McNair was sold this week, uh, Jose did say I didn't want him to go. Uh, I still think he's a good player, and I don't know whether that was just you know good PR because he's selling one of the kids. Who knows? Yeah, I mean the the thing about it is. McNair, I mean, it's obvious, It's a pretty obvious decision to sell McNair. I, I think anyone looking for a story there is looking too hard. Donald Love went too. Um, he was never really going to make it at United, was he? The, the kind of interesting outgoing, I guess, was Adnan Yanazai, who has gone to uh, reunite with uh, David Moyes, the one man who truly could get the best out of him um, in his career. And uh, kind of sad, not not from like that Mourinho's done something wrong and abandoning the kids thing, but just kind of sad that Yanazai has uh, another manager has kind of gone, mm, not sure about attitude, application, all these kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. But he was very effusive in his praise and saying, look, we think he's got a great future. We think he's a great kid. That's why we've sent him on loan mm. um, and we want him back. So I mean, he's saying the right things again maybe it's pr early in the days i don't know but they could have just sold him and you know maybe they're taking one last chance that yanazai will turn it around uh, Moyes also he didn't stick with his narrative that oh, yanazai is the best thing ever he said he's got to 
find the right kind of application. He's got to understand why it hasn't gone wrong. He's got to stop blaming other people. Yeah, which I thought was you know, really which was, good. Which was a sound analysis from Moyes, yeah. Um, mind you, if you're betting your career on being, um, you know, finding some kind of renaissance under David Moyes, God, the poor lad. But I mean, there's a trust there, isn't there? There's a prior relationship. And obviously Moises, like for all Moises, many, 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 many faults. He's a vastly... How many was that? That's a lot and not enough. He's a vastly important figure in Adnan Yanazai's career, isn't he? So like that, that there is some hope there, I guess. Um, and, and, you know, obviously there is so much talent. And, you know, there's a lot of revisionism around him and like people saying, oh, I don't think he was ever that good. I think we were just a bit distracted by him because he was good in such a bad season but i still think he was absolutely wonderful a lot of the time that season no he's, he's look, technically beautiful and and uh, so much promise and and just hasn't put it he, he didn't put it all together all the time under Moyes either um and it's put almost none of it together since but uh yeah it's i mean l- let's hope it comes together um it, it does feel like a bit of a Awkward moment, though, doesn't it? It's like, Adnan, I am your father. (laughs) Yes, listen, if you don't behave, we're going to send you to live with Uncle David in the freezing cold northeast for a bit. Um, All right, on to less serious matters. At Optat Navin says, last time you mentioned Ed has a beard, will you ever grow one? Ed doesn't have a beard. Ed has designer stubble. And uh, my sad, sad truth is that I cannot grow a beard. It's a shame. I'd have one if I could, probably. With great beard comes great responsibility. <laughs> um, at Lloyd Stoke SLLO1 says, Football hipster Gary Neville said Herrera was man of the match against Bournemouth. Do you agree? He was good. I think it was Maran Fellaini, though. Weird, weird as that is to say. I think Maran Fellaini had a very... If you're going to pick one of the two, you'd pick him. And I think next up I'd have Zlatan just for the, the, the moments of magic. Football hits the Gary Neville who left Sky, failed at his one coaching job, said he's never going to be a coach again and got a massive pay rise. That sounds like a pretty good tactic. Did he say he's never going to be a coach again? Yeah, he said he's going to concentrate on business interests and media. It's interesting, isn't it? It's um, In a way you think it, it seems a shame because he obviously has such a, a football intelligence... But you, I mean, maybe, maybe just maybe doesn't have the personal intelligence that you require alongside of that to be a great manager. The kind of interpersonal intelligence, I mean. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Or maybe, maybe it's just that he was so burnt from that sort of four or five months in in Valencia and and all the stick he's taken as a result that uh, he's uh, he's still recovering from it. We'll see. I mean, you know, he did a long stint of coaching with England, and he, he doesn't have anything negative to say about that. No, um, not that Big Sam called him up and said, "Hey." Uh, but maybe he'll go off and do some coaching as well as his media stuff, not the frontline management stuff. Or maybe he'll just he'll get the bug again in a year's time and want to do it. Yeah, that's that's of course the other possibility, isn't it? These things change a lot. Um, and talking of the big questions, at WA Sverage says, what would you rather have, big lobster claws instead of hands or a big horn out of your forehead? That is a horrible uh, question because I think the answer has to be a big horn out of your forehead. And I definitely don't want that, but it feels like that would get in your way a lot less. I mean, lobster claws could be could be quite useful in certain circumstances. <laughs> yeah, like that guy off uh, Futurama, right? The the, the, uh, the scientist. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, the situations in which lobster claws for hands are useful are, is vastly outweighed by the situations in which having hands rather than lobster claws is useful. 
Like, if you pick one or the other, it's a no-brainer. You know what I'm saying? Hands, hands, opposable thumbs are where it's at. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there are certain evolutionary advantages to the opposable thumb. <laughs> yeah. No doubt about that. At Malcolm... Um, at Malcolm P eighty nine says, "Can we sign Usain Bolt as a centre back and play, pair him with Bailly this transfer window? I think we need the speed in attack. To be honest, I would play him at nine and Ibrahimovic at ten and see what happens. Um, it would be very quick. It would, at least from Bolt. It, it probably not that good at the football. And um, the hundred meters final of the Olympics was absolutely brilliant because I, I I watched it knowing the result because I didn't stay up or wake up in the middle of the night to watch it." But still, after about 40 yards or whatever, you th- about 40 metres, you're thinking, oh my God, he's not going to do it, even though I knew the result, just because everyone else looks like they're so in their stride and miles ahead of him. And then he's like, see ya, pew! And just like opens up that stride and he never looks like he's making any effort. And then he just smashes the Olympic final, giving himself time to turn around and grin at the camera, basically. Uh, it was a uh, bolt all over. Um, is that three in a row? It is three yeah. in a row, isn't it? Yeah, pretty stunning. Yeah. I've been really enjoying the Olympics. I know I know we had an Olympics chat last week. Yeah. Didn't we? Uh, but um, yeah, it's been really good. Are, are you, like, are you uh, all caught up in the patriotism of... Uh, the Brits being second in the table. I mean, I was thinking about this. I was thinking, like, there are definitely people listening to this that don't know that it's weird that Great Britain just wins loads of medals all the time now. Because when we were growing up, that definitely didn't happen. I looked I looked up the 1984 and 1988 Olympic medal tables earlier today, and Britain were, like, 10th and 12th, I think, in those two. Five gold medals in each. Um, so this is a, a whole new world of uh, achievement. Yeah, and one in... 1996 in Atlanta. Right, there you go. Uh, So, yeah, they've obviously, like... I mean, and actually, on a sort of serious note, it does show you what you can do with investment and infrastructure. You know, like, that... Oh, absolutely. And they've had a very, very cold-headed approach to it. I mean, it's it's a... It's, I'm sure, a lesson that other countries are going to have a look at. Um, Because there's no taxpayer money going into this. It's all from the lottery... Um, and they basically say, if you're successful, we'll give you more money, and if you're not, we'll cut your money. Um, this it's uh, it's brutal as a regime, but it's having a, a great effect at the elite level. Of course, the flip side of that is that um, some people say that there's been uh, less money uh, going into grassroots sport, or or somehow grassroots sport has been forgotten amid this rush for golds. Yeah, um, and you know, I'm sure there's there's some truth in that, although. It's kind of nice to see how focused the BBC's coverage is on the inspirational aspect of this and kind of like providing ways for kids to get involved with sport and all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, it's got to make a difference when you're a kid watching this thinking, oh, I come from a country that wins medals, you know. That 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 has to be kind of a, a thing. I mean, like, okay, well, I'll I'll try and do this and try and win medals myself. And some sort of positive there, I would imagine. So, talking of the Olympics, at bifurcated underscore MBM, you know this is going to be a serious one, right? It says, could we try and get Usain Bolt to swim to see if we can finally get an answer, re-boy swimming faster than shark? Um, that's boy born uh, who can swim faster than a shark. Usain Bolt is probably not as fast at swimming as, like, Michael Phelps is at swimming. No, it seems unlikely. Michael Phelps with the freakishly long torso and massive hands. Yeah, and Katie Ledecky, who's just, like destroying world records like it's just no thing at all anyway mm. and just just yeah last olympics question do you do you have any theories on uh green pool gate 
<laughs> I heard it's not algae. That's the latest I heard. And basically, I've just seen a lot of headlines of like, you won't believe what's turning this pool green and refused to click on them. So I've remained in ignorance. Why is it happening, Ed? No idea. <laughs> so many Rankcast questions about two things, Blint and Bai and Fellaini and Pogba and all that stuff that we've already covered. So we've covered, kind of covered up most of these. At Zlopras, friend of the Rankcast, says, why have Mourinho's teams always had relatively few injuries? That is kind of interesting. He does. Is that a, true? Yeah, he's got a really good injury record. Maybe he's just like a big Raymond Verheyen devotee. Maybe he's not a dinosaur. He, he probably is. He probably has a shrine to Ray. Mm, that must be what it is. So, shall we talk about the uh, Friday Night Lights? It's uh, We played it on Friday night last season because of an EDL rally, not because of an official change in Premier League structures. But this season, this is actual Friday night football. That's the whole purpose of the thing. It's a, a new invention. I, I kind of like it in theory, although rubbish for Southampton fans, isn't it? The chances of them getting a, a train back to Southampton after this game, I'm going to assume are zero. Yeah, it won't finish till 10 o'clock at night. And there's no way that's... You know, unless they're laying on extra trains, which seems unlikely. Seems very unlikely indeed. Well, Southampton, who got a, a decent uh, result against Watford at the weekend, one all draw. New manager this year, kept most of their players, not all of them, sold Wanyama to Tottenham, um, but have the kind of core of, uh, of what was their squad before. I mean, apart from they probably sold their best player, Saido Mane, uh, they Liverpool did sell money, yes. Absolute wonder goal at the weekend. He did, and he will do that. And I, I still think my assessment of money when we were talking about him last season stands. You know, I don't think he's going to be that good every week. Oh, no. Uh, but he was definitely a vital player for Southampton, a big loss for them, you'd think. Big big loss for them, yeah. They lose some pace up front. We'll see with them. I mean, Claude Puel's come in as the new manager. Obviously, Cumin went up to Everton. Um, they've had... You know, we praised them before for having this kind of structure in place that, you know, we said that they'll be able to go from manager to manager and still have the right kind of sound structure to keep being successful. It's a big test for them, isn't it? Yeah, because you'd think that's probably a drop-off in managerial quality, probably. The only thing I really know about Claude Puel, though, is that he once fell out with Alex Ferguson. Um, this was at the height of the Ferguson-Wenger rivalry. And we were drawn against Lille in the Champions League and uh, Ferguson and, and Puel didn't shake hands on the pitch after the game because the Lille players tried to get the game cancelled by walking off the pitch and Fergie was fuming, absolutely fuming he was. And he, he thought that this was a Wenger conspiracy and stuff. Oh, shocking. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Puel had all those years at Lille, did very well with it, you know, not not one of the great sides of French football, didn't win anything, really hasn't won anything at all. Won League 1 Championship uh, 15 years ago um, with Monaco. No, he's definitely... He definitely is a friend of Arsene Wenger's then. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, you know, n- not a CV of real note uh, as such. He had a fine playing career, actually, didn't he? Um, we'll see. You know, it it does look like a sort of mid-rank manager, but, but Southampton have been managing to turn out managers who didn't have a great CV before them, at least in managerial sense, um, and get a lot out of them. 
Yeah, although I mean Pochettino had had a bit of trouble, but he he had had some very impressive successes before he took over at Southampton, and Cumin was you know highly regarded. So those those two were perhaps not exactly surprising successes. The one thing that that I heard this statistic during the round recently is that they've improved their league position every season since they got promoted. But they finished sixth last season, and there's no way they're going to improve on that this season, is there? It seems very unlikely, but uh, you know there's. Uh... Uh, no way uh, in the Premier League at the moment, or at least given last year, is not words that should be uttered. <laughs> no, yeah, there's no way Leicester won the league last season. It's impossible. No way. Yeah. Yes, and uh, Gary Lineker presented match of the day in his pants. I don't. Think well, really. Well, boxer shorts. Boxer shorts is jet football shorts. Like just straight up shorts. They they were not like that was those were not undergarments of any variety. Yeah, he's no Radamel. That's uh, all I have to say about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, he's a good. But lots of people were very scathing about this, obviously, because people are cynical about everything that happens ever. But I thought he was a jolly good sport about the whole thing. Jolly good sport. Very good. We won't mention it again. No. Okay. But I tell you what, if Leicester win the title again, I will present this podcast. In my mankini. Your rank cast branded mankini that you keep threatening to include as a Patreon reward. Oh, God. Yeah. If you hit the $100 a month level, you get my mankini. Used or unused, your choice. Uh, just an image that I can't get out of my head now, so saying words is difficult. Um, so what are you expecting from United on Friday night? Goals, goals, goals. Uh no. That would be lovely. That, that would be very nice, yeah. Rousing speeches, because that's what you get on Friday night. Lights. Isn't oh, it? yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah. And Tim, and, Tim Riggins gutting it out in the centre of midfield. Absolutely. Uh, look, I'm, I'm expecting a show for Old Trafford, right? You know, United will clearly take this to Southampton because that's, that's what we do now. We're, we'll uh, be a little bit more direct. We'll have a go at them because Mourinho's sides were fantastic at home. You know, people... It's, uh, you know, I'm well on record here of saying that, that I didn't want Mourinho's United's manager. I think we discussed that for years, right? For very many reasons. But um, his record uh, at home with all of his teams is awesome. And they scored a lot of goals. Uh, and they were very, very powerful at home. Chelsea, Real Madrid, Inter, all of them. Um, so I expect United to be very, very good at home this year. They're not going to be defensive. They're going to control the game, uh, but they're going to control the game in a very offensive way uh, where most of the action happens in the final third. Yeah, and and the, I mean, oh, I'm getting a few little goosebumps even thinking about it, but the atmosphere on Friday night, I mean, it's kind of spectacular that he's, it's terrible, modern football's bad, Southampton fans, all very sad, but the fact that he's making his home debut under the floodlights is going to... And, like, Zlatan's home debut. Pogba almost certainly going to play at least some part. I mean, I wonder if he might even start. I mean, I thought it was very unlikely he would start against Bournemouth before I realised that he was carrying the weirdest suspension in history. But it seems plausible that he could start, maybe? Weirdest suspension in history? It's always been the case that if you're suspended in one national tournament you're suspended in all of them across europe all right fair enough fair enough an unnamed friend of the show suggested it was a conspiracy that united were very happy that he was suspended because it meant he wouldn't start because uh, of uh, match fitness issues and that jose didn't have to leave him out and i, I i'm not sure i quite buy that because no, i just left think jose anyway. just have left him out yeah a uh, big question for me is uh will you know will carl chandler be able to 
get away with the fact that he killed his brother and has basically fessed up. <laughs> no, wait. Spoilers, man. Massive spoilers for a Netflix series. Everyone's watched it. <laughs> I haven't, but I wasn't going to anyway, so that's all right. Yeah. It's good. It's good. You should. Do you like? Do you like Friday Night Lights? Ed, have you seen it? I, I mean, I, I have not seen like all six <sighs> series. I know I should do. So, oh man, I do. I know what it is, and I have seen some of it. My uh, uh, Mrs. Rant was a big fan. So, yeah. yeah, you've got to watch it for the last two series, where it turns into Friday Night the Wire, and it does that thing that happened in many American television programs in the kind of uh, late two thousands where they just all started casting as many people who'd been in The Wire as possible because they all loved The Wire and wanted to meet them. Um, yeah, it's good. It's really good. Um, Wallace turns up. That's, oh, that's, nice. That's all I'm saying. And there's an amazing cameo from the actor that plays D'Angelo Barksdale. It's just so good. Anyway, that show is wonderful. But yeah, hopefully United will put on a show worthy of the name Friday Night Lights. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that Zlatan chant getting a relentless airing if he scores a goal. Um, I'm, I'm just looking forward to the occasion, really, as much as anything. And, and like you say, Mourinho teams, you know, it feels so odd to be like really confident that Man United are going to win because it's been three years since we could be in that position. But like, maybe we won't win. Things happen, but no, we're going to win. Pretty confident we're going to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm feeling confident as well. This is dangerous, you know. <laughs> it's frightening, Th- isn't it? This is Rantcast on, you know, United rant. What are we going to rant about if we win everything? I just love it. I'd love no to talk about United being no good, good again. No good at all. It's been such a long time since we got to talk about United being good. Prediction? 2-0. Uh, 2-0. Yeah, I think I think we're going to go bigger than that. Wow. I have, I have a feeling about it. I, I'm going to go 3-0. Okay. Well, that is optimistic. Um, yeah. Or we kind of could have been 3-0. Boom, got that pretty good goal, didn't they? Um, De Gea, I think, had to make one save in that game, which sort of, sort of tells a pretty big story doesn't it anyway I, I guess pr- I'd like to predict a starting 11 really I think it's pretty tricky but I'm going to go with the same back four that played against um back five obviously that played against Bournemouth and I go Fellaini Pogba Rooney Mkhitaryan Martial Ibrahimovic there we go he's not going to leave it well he's barely changed anything in in three games or something yeah. or one you know starting why? So I, I think McTaren will start. Okay. And I think Pogba will start. Okay. I think Herrera will start as well. Okay, not Fellaini. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and so you Matter on the bench. Matter's on the bench. Yeah. Okay. And you know he's featured in. There was a start. I think he's featured in the last fifty-two United games in a row. Juan Matter. Yeah, yeah. It was on. Plays which a lot of football. Amazing, and uh, yeah, I just wish someone. I mean, it's never going to happen. I wish someone would find a role for him as you know United's playmaker. Yeah. Yeah. The the role that he does. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it's not going to happen. So. In theory. This is the end of the main part of the show. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week with another one of these. If you want a little bit more from us and you're not already a patron, head over to patreon.com slash rankcast. We do a little 10, 15 minute thing at the end of every show where we talk about something that's not Manchester United. So if that sounds like it floats your boat, check out patreon.com slash rankcast to uh, get hold of that stuff. Yeah, we're going to have to stop talking about uh, other cultural things in the main show, aren't we? 
Because we're going to have to do it in the... Uh, no way, man. In the bonus context. And no way, man. We're never... Editor Tom, you can cut out all that talk about Friday Night Lights <laughs> and, and The Wire because uh, we, we were going to save that for a, a bonus Absolutely show not. No way. No way. Regular listeners are losing absolutely nothing because of this patron. Whatever that guy said, whatever that guy with his Latin Ibrahimovic avatar that haunts my dreams who said we were too commercial is, has said... We're not changing nothing. All right. Hashtag ethics. Hashtag first never follows. Patreon.com forward slash rankcast brought to you by <laughs> Mr. Potato Chips yeah. and Gatorade. <laughs> this product is proud. This, this rankcast is proudly crowdfunded. All right. Thank you very much for listening. We will indeed be back next week.